we're not reading the Bible through Jesus and we're taking everything as equal and giving everything uh, the same weight and taking it at its face value, the Bible's an incoherent text. How can you say, listen to the cries of the poor without looking at what makes them poor? You don't have to believe certain things to be part. The irony is that you can be pro-guns, pro-death penalty, pro-military, anti-environment, and still say you're pro-life. But people get really uncomfortable. It's like they want to have their religion and they want to have their porn. They want to do both. I don't think any form of Christianity deserves to survive and thrive if it doesn't come to terms with the racism of our past. When we really tell the story of Jesus, we find a God who comes to the point where it has all collapsed. If a good teacher is to get a student to get the right answers on the test, and if Jesus was supposed to get us to get the right answer for when we die, then can we just be honest and say, not a good teacher? It is summer, and what better to do with summertime than focus on getting in shape and getting your health in check. Best way to do that is with Angie Niska at Rise Nutrition, who sponsors all of these wonderful Jesus Never Ran podcasts. You can find her on Facebook at Rise Menominee. That is Rise with a Z. Hey friends, welcome to Jesus Never Ran. I am your host, Matt Kinzera. Today, we are going to start two weeks of talking about contradictions of the Bible and of Christianity, starting with the contradiction of individuality versus conformity. Let's go. In the beginning of my evangelical journey, which happened when I was around college is when it started, there was a lot of talk about contradictions in the Bible. And the talk wasn't about whether there are contradictions or whether there are not contradictions. It was simply a conversation about overcoming perceived contradictions that were in the Bible. And we'd talk about all these little details, such as was Jesus walking into the city or was he walking out of the city? You'd see two different things in two different gospels. Another one, maybe was there one angel when Jesus rose from the dead or were there more than one angel when Jesus rose from the dead? How many people were there when he rose from the dead? All of these little detail things we would get caught up in. And again, the goal was to explain these contradictions away. I'm not so much interested in the little detailed contradictions that are in the Bible. We can talk more about that in future episodes when we actually talk about how to look at the Bible and how to read the Bible. But when I think about contradictions, I think about large picture things. So today, we're going to talk about the big picture contradiction of individuality versus conformity. Next week, what we're going to talk about is the contradiction of an angry, vengeful God who we see mostly in the Old Testament, although he definitely shows up in the New Testament, versus this peaceful, all-loving Jesus that we come to know in the New Testament primarily. So again, today we're talking about individuality versus conformity. And this is huge. And it, in so many ways, is at the root of why many of us, including myself, have felt less than, left out, or excluded from church circles, from Christianity, and from faith in general. This idea of individuality versus conformity, if we look at it from a biblical standpoint, some of the verses in the Bible would lead us to believe that individuality is a beautiful and meaningful thing. 
a specific verse that comes to mind is the verse where it talks about that we are one body but many parts and talks about you know you might be the eye or you might be the arm but we work together etc so that to me is a portion of the bible that talks about individuality but then in other places in the bible we definitely have pictures of conformity the biggest one i think although we could take a number of different spaces to look at but really one of the biggest ones is this idea of the shepherd versus the sheep and when we think about the idea of sheep we think of an idea of conformity all the sheep trying to go in the same direction jesus representing the shepherd trying to herd us all together go to the same place be the same way you get the picture right so i'm not saying that the idea of jesus as a shepherd is a bad thing in so many ways it's a beautiful thing but if we picture ourselves as just a bunch of sheep you really get the concept in your mind of conformity of we're all just wandering around meaninglessly together in the same way in the same direction all right so there's the contradiction when we talk from a biblical standpoint now if we take this in scope of church gatherings specifically the evangelical church you'll hear this statement over and over and over in evangelical circles this idea of come as you are right show up we don't care who you are where you've been just come as you are and then taking that a step farther use the gifts that you have to serve the church right use your individual gifts to serve in the way that you're capable of doing sure that at least at the surface seems to promote individuality on the other side though when we're talking about church circles conservative evangelical specifically church circles you will hear things like you're supposed to go to church that's what you do if you're a good little christian you are supposed to read your bible everybody read your bible and don't just read the bible read the bible in the right way so that you get the right answers don't just read the bible but then get together with groups of people that were called small groups what a creative name right <laughs> get together with small groups of people and talk about reading the bible and talk about what you're learning from reading the bible and by the way there are right and wrong answers again that's the the ethos the idea behind what the evangelical church would teach now let's get real here though okay it might not be said out loud very often at least not from out front but definitely it's said out loud in smaller groups that if you are a good evangelical Christian, you'll do things like vote Republican. And maybe you can relate to this. This was the first thing when I became an evangelical Christian, the first thing I felt like I was supposed to do. I grew up in a family that was very liberal. They voted for whoever the Democrat was whenever there was a presidential election. So that's just what I grew up in. And then I became a part of the evangelical church. And I really felt as if I was supposed to vote for the Republican candidate, mostly because of the abortion issue, which is a whole different topic for another day that I promise you we will talk about in more detail so vote republican that's what you should do if you're a good christian definitely don't be gay definitely be straight you have to be straight if you're going to be a good christian come as you are but change you know eventually 
And then, of course, don't drink. You can't drink and be a good Christian. That would be the worst thing in the world. So in the church circles, it's this come as you are, use your individual gifts, but also toe the party line. So there's the contradiction. There it is biblically. Again, we're taking really a 30,000-foot view of this. We could get a lot more into detail, but we don't have the time in a podcast episode. But there is definitely a contradiction that we see both biblically and in the church that individuality and conformity are looked at in two different ways. Yet, we're told that both are valuable. So how do we deal with this very real, very felt contradiction that we see in our faith circles. If I were to pick one space where this lived itself out the most in my life, it was through the concept that was taught that we are built for community. Here's my backstory. I grew up Catholic. Any of you who have been to a Catholic church or more of a mainline church, you know that you walk in to that sanctuary, that church, and there's this sense of quietness, solidarity. I mean, people don't even talk while they're waiting for the service to start. My first recollection of meaningful spiritual thought processes happened on the 17 acres that I grew up on. I would just sit on this rock up behind my house on this hill and contemplate faith and contemplate God. And it was the space where I would say I made many of my early decisions to follow God, to have a faith at all. They happened in these spaces of quietness. And they happened when I was all by myself. So then fast forward a number of years, as I already mentioned, I came into contact with the evangelical church around college. And when you get involved in the evangelical church, it's the opposite of quiet. It is loud. It is borderline obnoxious for an introvert like myself. And the message that you hear over and over and over is that we are built for community. You go to church, you get in a small group, you have friends, you just do the deal. You're built for community, so you have to be engaged in community. And let me tell you that this is a space that I don't have any other word. This is a space that haunted me for nearly two decades because community, friendship, being around groups of people, that is something that does not come easily for me. That might seem strange because I'm a public speaker by trade or a podcaster by trade. Most of my career has been surrounded by lots and lots of people. But there's a difference of standing on a stage and speaking to a group of people. There's a difference between that and being around small groups of people or being around large groups of people where you're just in it and you're being told that you're built for that. Yet, I'm in the center of it thinking, if I'm built for this, why do I feel so out of place? So for years and years and years, I would just struggle with why do I not belong? Why do I not fit in? Everybody seems like they love this community stuff, but I hate it. I can't even handle it. And I get super nervous when I know I have to engage with it on certain levels. 
eventually I started thinking, wait a second. I mean, this was in my deconstruction process, right? I started questioning everything. And one of the things I eventually started questioning was this concept of community. Am I, am I as Matt Kinzera actually built for community? I think the concept is good. I think that friends are good to have. I think we need to do what's best for everybody, not just ourselves. So Again, just like the sheep and the shepherd, I'm not saying it's a bad concept. I'm just not convinced that it is the concept. A while back, this is probably a decade ago, I did a sermon and it was called, No is a Holy Word. And the whole concept was that we can actually say no to things and it can be a good and godly thing. I did this message because I was so caught up in saying yes to everything as a pastor, as a chaplain, as a faith leader in my community and beyond. I always felt like I had to toe this party line. I had to say the right things. I had to believe the right things. I had to do the right things. And then I gave this message, no is a holy word. And it really challenged myself to ask the question, well, what do I need to say no to that currently I'm saying yes to? It's like that part in the Bible. A friend of mine pointed this back out to me just recently. And she said, remember that part where David was going to go out there against Goliath and they tried to put all of this armor on him? And then he's like, no, thank you. And he goes out there without the armor and gets the job done. Well, that's similar to how I felt. Like I felt like the church, the evangelical church, was just putting all of these things on my shoulders and the weight of it was suffocating and I felt like I couldn't truly be my own unique individual self with all of these things that were on my shoulders. I had this portion of my life is really the beginning of the end. Well, maybe it was the end of the end. I don't know. But I had this point in my life where I was pastoring this small missional community. I actually started it and seven years into it, it was going really, really bad to the point that it ended with a couple of people, a couple of the leaders, a couple of people that I called my friends, still called my friends to this day, which is a beautiful story in and of itself. But they came to me and said, we are releasing you from all of your duties at this little church, at this little community, and no longer will you be in leadership. And I remember leaving that meeting. Now, there was a lot that built up to this. And I remember leaving that meeting feeling two distinct thoughts and feelings. The first was I wanted to punch a hole in something. Like I just was angry as hell. I was so mad. But the second was I felt like this huge weight had been lifted off my shoulders. So I left that meeting angry as hell wanting to punch something, but having a huge smile on my face because suddenly I could actually take all of this stuff, all of this armor that people were putting on me to do and believe the right things. Finally, I could take that off and just be myself. And that was such a freeing feeling, I cannot even tell you. So then fast forward a couple more years, I ran into who now I call a great friend and mentor. His name is Scott Jenkins, and I co-host a podcast with him called The Celtic Way. Be sure to check it out. So amazing. But he helped me dive back into some of my Catholic roots. And what I mean by that is he helped me to dig back in to some of that solidarity that was there when I first started thinking about God. And a lot of this comes from Celtic spirituality. And interestingly enough, the priest that I grew up with 
was actually from Ireland. He had such a thick Irish accent, I could hardly understand him half the time. But as I dove back into this type of spirituality, I just felt myself coming alive again because I was reconnecting with a piece of me that connects so deeply with the divine. And that is not community, that is solidarity. So although it may be true that on some level we are built and created for community, me, myself, Matt Kinzera, I am more so built for solidarity and I'm more so created for solidarity. And when I practice solidarity, I am the best form of myself. So one of the things, one of the ways I had to use no as a holy word, and one of the ways I still have to use no as a holy word to this day and will for the rest of my life, is so many times I have to say no to community. I have to say no to being around groups of people, and I have to say yes to solidarity so that I can be the truest, most authentic form of myself. So this leads me to the place where I want to ask you that same question. Where in your life, looking back at your faith journey, where are the spaces that you need to use the word no as a holy word so you can regain who you truly are? What is that thing or what are those things that you felt you were taught or those pieces of armor that people tried to put on you over and over and over again that you knew didn't fit. Maybe for you, you're not straight and you were told that you have to be straight. Well, you can take off that armor and accept that the yes for you is that you can be something other than straight and still be just as much a person of faith, still be just as much connected to the divine. So pick what it is for you. It could, I mean, you are living your own story. My story isn't your story. But what I'm here today to do for you and to help you with is to just be okay with saying no to whatever that thing is or whatever those things are that made you feel excluded, not good enough, or not the good little Christian that everybody wanted you to be. No is a holy word, and you can choose your individuality over conformity because if you always choose conformity if you always choose the sheep mentality you will lose yourself and in my situation I would lose myself over and over and over until it got to the place where I could hardly even see myself so at this point we've talked about how to recapture or maybe capture for the first time your true individuality that you can say no to things that people told you you were supposed to say yes to and you can recapture or like i said capture for the very first time the true essence of who you are who you were created to be but that still leaves a question on the table sure being an individual is really important it's a very key part of your faith journey and your connection with the divine but what about uniformity? Does individuality come by getting rid of conformity altogether? I would say absolutely not. But then that leads to the question of how do we then look at conformity? What is it that we do need to conform to? And I would say it's one thing. And when Jesus talked about it, he wrapped up all the other commandments in it. He said, the greatest commandment 
the one thing, he actually broke it down into two things. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The one space of conformity that we should all be focused on. I know I usually don't like to say the word should, but in this case, I'm going to. The space that we should conform to is love. Nothing more and nothing less. I have two teenage children, and let me tell you, both of their faith journeys are wildly different than my own. (laughs) They are definitely not the good little Christians, but they are people, both of them are humans, these little wonderful, fabulous human beings. Both of them really connect to faith. They really connect to the divine. They don't buy for a second an idea of a world and a universe without a divine presence, but they definitely don't buy into Christianity. That I can tell you for sure. So my youngest, we were having this great conversation and they were telling me all about these things that they're contemplating and thinking and exploring. And again, wildly different than anything I've ever thought about or contemplated or explored, which is what made the conversation so awesome. And as we were having that conversation, I said, hey, kiddo, I do not pretend to understand or even necessarily believe in the same things that you believe. And that's okay. We don't have to. That is not the goal at all. But then what I told them, I said, here's the thing. Whatever it is that you believe, I want you to make sure that it always leads to love. Love of yourself and love of the people around you. I also want you to make sure that whatever you believe does not exclude anyone. So if what you believe promotes love and promotes inclusivity, then I would say that it's good and it's beautiful and it's right. It might not be what I believe. It might not even make any sense to me, but it's still good if we can agree on that thing. If we can agree on love, then that is the conformity that matters. And that's the only conformity that matters. We live today in a society where there are so many different religions and even within the context of Christianity, there's tens of thousands of different denominations, not because of any big picture items, but because of all of these small little ridiculous details that have divided people for centuries and centuries. Instead of focusing on the one thing that unifies us or that should unify us, which is simply love. And love can unify us across the boundaries even of different religions, across the boundaries of different beliefs. So you can be your own individual self and conform to just that one thing, just conform to one thing, which is love, and imagine the kind of world that we'd live in if we all did that. So be yourself, be your own unique self, whatever that is, and conform in one space and one space only, and that space is love. You might be listening to this and say, yeah, 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 that is way too simple. And I would say, yeah, 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 exactly. This isn't supposed to be so damn complicated. We have made our faith so ridiculously complicated that we have to know the right things, believe the right things, understand what the entire Bible says somehow miraculously understand what divinity is and understand who God is, 
That's not something that we're capable of doing. But what we are capable of is love. Every individual human being is capable of love. And if we can grab onto that piece of conformity, that really is all that matters. So many of us today are on the outside of church walls and are struggling with our faith because we simply never felt like we fit in. I can tell you that for most of my life, I've felt like an outsider. For most of my life, I've felt like I haven't fit in. And that has only been exasperated and expanded upon with my life inside, especially the evangelical church. And while I was a part of the evangelical church for almost two decades, I always felt like a bit of an outsider. I always felt like I didn't quite belong. I would have these feelings of if they really knew who I was, if they really knew how I thought, if they really knew what I believed, I wouldn't be allowed to be a part of it. And the crazy thing is, is I was right. Because as soon as I started expressing some of my thoughts, as soon as I started expressing some of my beliefs, Slowly but surely, I was pushed towards the edge, and eventually, I was just shoved all the way out. And when I was on the outside looking in, I felt sad, I felt discouraged, I felt disappointed, but not as much as I felt free. I felt so free because suddenly I could just be myself. And then as I would think about the Bible, and and more specifically, as I would think about the life of Jesus, there I could see myself. Because Jesus, what he did is he hung out with people like me. He hung out with people who just never seemed to fit in. It almost seems as if Jesus went out of his way to pick people to follow him that were very different than one another. I mean, wildly different than one another. And then it just seemed that everywhere he went, he would reach his hand out and touch the outcast. He would stop and have a conversation with the person that didn't fit in. Let me tell you, the lepers did not fit in in Jesus' day. Prostitutes did not fit in in Jesus' day. Gentiles did not fit in in Jesus' day. Jesus went out of his way to tell a story where the Samaritan was the hero to a bunch of Jewish people. That is revolutionary because what he's doing is he's saying, you belong. The Samaritan belongs. The Jewish person belongs. The leper belongs. The prostitute belongs. The zealot belongs. The tax collector belongs. The Pharisee belongs. Everyone belongs. And so if you, like me, have felt in circles of faith as if you didn't belong, for whatever reason that might be, you know it. You know what those reasons are. You know why you felt that way. If you ever felt that way, I just want to say this. The feelings you felt are justified. The feelings that you felt are real and honest. And you did not belong in that space. I can look at my own life and say, I did not and I do not belong in the evangelical church. I don't fit there because I don't fit that mold and I'm okay with that. But let me tell you where I do fit. I do fit in the kingdom of heaven here on earth. I do fit 
in the faith that Jesus came to show us. I do fit within this huge scope of love that Jesus came here specifically to show us. I fit there and I fit there so well because we all fit there. So all my crazy ass beliefs, they belong in the kingdom of heaven on earth. All of my doubts belong. All of my flaws belong, as do all of my strengths. They belong as well. All of the spaces where I don't fit society or church or whatever. A lot of times I would tell people when I was speaking, I would say, whatever those things are for you, they only pad your resume and make you more equipped and more qualified to be a part of this thing that Jesus started when he was here on earth. So in whatever way it was, that whoever those people were did to make you feel less than or as if you were excluded, whatever that was, you can with confidence grab onto it and say, this is who I am. I say no to that and my no is holy because it's the same no that Jesus used. It's a no to toxic religion. It's a no to toxic masculinity. It's a no to toxic views of the Bible. It's a no to toxic uses of the word love. And it's a yes to Jesus's version of love. And it's a yes to everything that Jesus showed us while he was here on earth. So my friends, you can be truly and authentically yourself, whatever that is. Just be honest with yourself and when you find who you truly authentically are that is good enough that belongs you can be all of that and all you have to conform to is that one thing to love just love and love well love those around you love yourself just be love and express love and do it in whatever way is uniquely and wonderfully your own. My friends, you can be an individual who conforms. You can be yourself and conform to love and you do belong. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jesus Never Ran podcast. Do me a huge favor and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode, a single interview, a single conversation. Also, please give us a five-star rating and write a review. Until next time, keep walking.